Season one is all about that dental school student or that new dental school grad or that transition in dentist, pretty much giving the financial keys to success now that you're in a transition period. So let's go and hop into this episode and we hope that you enjoy it. If you are listening to this via audio, there is a video format. We actually shoot these live in the studio in video format. You can check those out either on Spotify podcast, YouTube podcast as well. Head to our Team Financials YouTube page. You'll be able to find all of these different um, uh, podcast shows within the video format if that's what you choose to do. Welcome to the Generational Dental Wealth Show. My name is Dr. Jermaine Fetty. My name is Kingsley Fetty CPA. And we're doing a continuation of our office hours, but today is a special edition. What I wish I would have known from uh, you know our audience um, of, of dental students. Sure. Uh, uh, Want to make sure that we share some knowledge on what we wish we, we should have known while in dental school or shortly graduating dental school. So, awesome, man. So. As y'all know, anytime you have questions or anything like that, you can always DM us at Dr. MBA LLC. Yeah, mine is at Kingsley Fetty. And you can find me on Instagram or pretty much all the social media platforms. All social media platforms are the same. You can always send us an email, do whatever you need to. All our contact information is on there. Um, but yeah, again, if you have any questions, you can direct, direct, direct them to us. And we have some questions that came from students. So we was like, you know awesome. what, let's just put all the student questions together and let's go ahead and pick out three of the best ones and let's go ahead and tackle them, bang, bang, bang. So yep. let's hop right right into it. Uh, so Kingsley, what is one thing you wish you knew financially when you graduated? <laughs> and yeah. specifically, the dentist you work with, what are some of the common themes that you're seeing that they wish they knew when they were graduating? Well, I think, I think first things first, um, what they wish that they would have known is, I'm not in competition with anybody but myself, right? At the, at the end of the day, right, I'm running my own race. You know, I have my own degree with my own name on it. And at the end of the day, my situation may not be the same as everybody else's. Uh, so uh, I feel like that they wish they would they, they would have known that, hey, it's okay for me, for my path to not look traditional. Um, and even in my personal life, me as a CBA, I made that a goal for me coming out of school. A lot of my classmates went straight into working for big four accounting firms and doing a lot of these different things. I said, you know what? Me having some foresight of hindsight, you know, having older brothers, I said, it's okay to not take the traditional path, try to tread your own way, and um, not be ashamed of maybe not doing things the same way as my classmates are doing. Okay. Um, so that's just one of them. I, and I'll let you throw out a few, and then I might hop back in the conversation. What's one thing that you wish you would have known financially? Uh, number one thing that I wish I personally knew is that money does not change you. It just exposes who you are. Gotcha. Uh, that's what it really boils down to. I'm sure we've all heard that quote before, but it, it is truly true. Um, if you're a spender, when you graduate, you're going to make enough money. You can spend a lot of money. Yeah. If you're not a spender, so myself personally, I'm a saver. You're honestly, you're going to spend less when you make more money than when you didn't have money. It's a weird financial dynamic. But to believe it or not, outside of business related purposes, I spend less now than when I was a student. You yeah. see what I'm saying? Like, because now when, when you're in business and you're a saver by nature, a lot of your expenses are going to be business related. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, because your, your life is going to be so focused on growing your business. And it's not even going to be from like a, I work too much type standpoint. It's going to be more from a perspective that like, I really enjoy what I do and I want to become the best at what I do because I know by me becoming the best I can be, I can provide the best service for my patients. So, just to wrap it up again, financially, 
it does not change who you are. It's going to expose who you are. If you are a natural overspender, that's probably something you want to get in alignment before your income starts to raise, right? Exactly. If you are a natural saver, then you probably want to start working on, again, some things I personally needed to work on was figuring out what does enjoyment look like in my life? I know it sounds crazy that if you save a lot of money, you have no issues, right? But there is a certain journey within each and every one of us that we have to go down and try to figure out what are some things that you enjoy, right? And that's one thing I will say I commemorate about you, Kingsley, is that you try to find ways to enjoy yourself. You try to find ways to take yourself out of just the work, 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 and find those ways to actually find fulfillment in and happiness. And again, it's never a destination. We're all trying to get better in those particular ways. But Mm -hmm. I think that's a a very honorable uh, characteristic that you personally display. So for myself personally, I'm still working on how do I find ways to enjoy myself? How do I find ways to vacation? How do I find ways to spend my downtime? So when I'm clocked out mentally, I can actually relax versus when I'm relaxing, I'm still thinking about business. Yeah. And you said something earlier about how, you know, new dental uh, grads or uh, dental school students typically um, at the point where they're pretty much in one year, right, going from eating cheese and crackers and, and, and ramen noodles, just trying to make it through financially to where they can pretty much afford a lot of things that they wanted. Um, so one thing that I, I, I hear a lot of dentists say when I, when I speak to them is I wish I would have known to be able to speak to somebody about my finances quicker. Because uh, one thing about it is whether you have a CPA, whether you have a financial planner, whatever like that, it may just be, you know, your father. It may just be your uncle that you know that is responsible with money that you can have a conversation with. Like, how do I budget, right? How do I put money aside? What what accounts do I need? What do I need to do come tax time? You know, because you go from, um, you know, being 24, 25 years old, being claimed by your parents as a dependent, never having to file a tax return to where you might be claiming hundreds of thousands of dollars on a tax return and your situation is now shifted dramatically and just pretty much overnight in one year. So one thing I always hear from, you know, the dentist that I'm able to speak to is, you know, I wish that I would have had the opportunity to have some people in my life financially that can really pour back into me. Um, so I wouldn't make some of the, <laughs> some of the mistakes that I, that, that they made. You know what I mean? That's really good. Yeah. That's really, really good. Just getting you said, you guys get ready. Yeah. We're ready for this, for this financial windfall that's coming your way. Because yeah. if you're ready for it, you're going to really enjoy it. If you're not, it's going to be exactly what it is. It's going to be a drowning process. Um, so let's go ahead and hop into the next question. Uh, and that is, are the averages that we see online for dentists actually true? And that's one thing I wondered when I was in school. Because like you see yeah. so many numbers and so many different ranges. And you try to figure out, how much do dentists actually make? Is this yeah. actually true? So since you work with a lot of different dental clients, you tell me, like, what is what? what's the average you've seen online and what are the averages you've seen for, let's say, newer grads, let's say five years and less? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I can imagine, you know, uh, you being on Reddit, uh, reading about all that, all, the, all the dental blogs and, and hey, I made $400,000, I made blah, blah, blah. I made blah, And everybody has these outlandish numbers or just numbers that may not be as, uh, I guess, um, close to home for the average uh, a professional. Um, so, uh, just to put a number on it, I, the range that I typically see, especially online, and I hear a lot of uh, dental blogs say, is typically about one hundred and eighty thousand. Well, about one hundred and sixty thousand to about one hundred and about one hundred and eighty thousand. I think that, that that that's the range, um, especially as a new grad. Um, what what I see most often is honestly, just like you'll hear from a lot of CPAs out there, it really depends. Uh, depending on your lifestyle, depending on the way that you 
choose to practice dentistry will depend on your income level. I mean, we've talked before about coming into dentistry as a W-2 employee. We've talked about becoming a, uh, a traveling dentist or just a contractor in which you are now able to get paid different ways. We've talked about practice ownership. Um, you know, so we've given some different options. So it really just depends on um, how willing you are or how willing you're not, right? You may have other um, obligations that are just a little bit more pressed than, than you climbing in income levels. But where you are in um, the commitment level of, okay, I want to, I want to get to this actual number. Um, like I said, some people are more, more motivated than they're not. So I would say that de uh, dental practice ownership is not as a uh, straight line. You know, typically when you're starting up, you have uh, a crap ton of, <laughs> of literally expenses that you would think, oh man, the first year of dental practice ownership, I mean, you're hitting a jackpot, but in reality, right. With, with much responsibility, comes a lot of the factors that comes with dental practice ownership, just like with any other source of uh, making your money in the industry. Sure. So um, I don't know if that, that, that added anything to that. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to be very, very clear that, you know, if you do average, then you're going to get an average outcome. And it's not to say that average is bad. Again, I think we live in a generation, and I hate always going back to the generation, but we go into a generation that we automatically think that we should be above average. Yeah. There is an average for, there's nothing wrong with average. It just depends if you want to be spectacular at something and you are average, then there is a misalignment in your expectations and your reality, right? But if you know that there are hundreds of thousands of dentists nationwide and you're coming out as a new grad, it's kind of unfair to expect to be compensated as an average dentist because the average dentist might have seven to 12 years of experience. So it's good to put yourself and preface these average numbers you're seeing online with reality of that you're coming out with a new skill set. And for a lot of, let's say, private practice offices or a lot of different clinical settings, they're going to have to take time out to really groom you from a clinical perspective to get you to that point of average. Because when we're coming out from dental school, trust and believe clinically, most individuals are not coming out even average. We're coming out below average and we're hoping to get to a point of average to a point and then from there a point of excellence. That's the goal. Right. But there's no way you do three composites on one tooth or maybe let's say in total 30 composites in your entire dental school journey. You extract 50 teeth. Let's say you do two or three root canals and you come out and expect to be proficient or clinically average to a dentist who does that much in a month. That's not even like realistic. Yeah. So, again, if you know that you want to reach these these levels that you see online and you want to eventually supersede them financially, either number one, you're going to have to do something that is just not common. Right. Or number two, you're going to have to get so good that you are no longer average, but you become excellent at something. And believe it or not, the skill that is closely most closely directed to your compensation is not just your clinical skill set, because that is a one that is like one a but one B is your ability to communicate with your patients yeah. to make them feel like you feel what they feel right to really be able to empathize with their pain, their pressure points, everything like that. That is more closely aligned than anything else, to be yeah. honest with you. So, again, back to point to the other point, if you want to make an, a different income, then you're going to have to do something different. And that's one of the reasons that, you know, again, travel dentistry was just so different because you're solving different problems. You're going yeah. to different cities. And I, I talk about all the time. My first year within dentistry, I drove over 30 to 40,000 miles. Wow. You see what I'm saying? Like yeah. I saw 75 to 100 different facilities.
because I knew if I I'm coming out with a fresh skill set, if I want something that's above average, I'm going to have to do something that's above average. Right. Yeah, I think that's really good. And I had that in my mind to actually as a question, but you've already answered it. Um, you know, I was going to ask, you know, they're they're asking about the average uh, pay for a dentist. And I was going to ask you what what separates um, someone that what separates somebody to not be average? What what, what makes them a little bit special? Or what or what in what ways can they uh, really separate themselves from the pack to be able to not just say, what is the average dentist make? But how can I now? choose my own destiny in this thing? That's a great question. And the quickest way to separate yourself from average is to, as a clinician, is to figure out what your patients need. The quicker you figure out what your patients need and you provide what they need, the quicker you go from being average. Yeah. Because think about it, right? I feel like when we graduate, we try to find the best situation for us, Mm -hmm. right? The highest paying job, the best benefits, the smoothest day, that you want to get everything to be smooth, nice, simple, and easy. When in reality, think about our patients who are really putting up the most out of pocket, right? And these are the individuals who might not have insurance or whatever it is like that. But when somebody's in pain, they're going to pay whatever it takes to get themselves out of pain, right? Yeah. So think about it. How can we help meet them where they are at? How can we find the patients in pain? How can we find the patients in the areas that don't have a dentist in the entire county, right? How do we find the patients who are forgotten and overlooked? How do we find those patients and meet them where they are? And if you find ways to meet patients at their particular pressure points, you will go from being wherever you are to exceptional at a very, very quick pace. Yeah, I agree. Agree. So I'm going to go ahead and head into our last question, man. So. Man, I, I I like this one, man. And I get this question so much, man, so much. But what are some ways to make money while in dental school? Yeah, I, I think this is a very unique question, and I appreciate this question being asked. Um, you know, it was actually funny when I um, I was actually speaking to a, a group, um, the Townsend Empire Aspiring Man team, and I was giving a presentation to them. These are about 100 college students in the organization. Um, and this is one of the main questions that they asked me is, hey, I'm in school. I don't really have the time to necessarily go out and get a traditional job, but I do want to still be able to bring in incomes to, you know, pay down student uh, loans, be able to um, uh, have money to be able to do the things that I need to while while in school. Um, and one of the main things I told them is you really have to put on your, your hat and understand that there is something called passive income. And you really have to figure out how can I tap into that because I may not have the time to necessarily devote 40 hours to a job. Okay. So passive income is income that is making you money. I say while you sleep. I don't know if it's that extreme, but at least puts money into your pocket with the least amount of effort um, so that you can devote it to other things. Um, In this day and age, I mean, there are literally endless possibilities of passive income streams. I mean, and I'm I'm sure you hop into a few, but the platforms that are out there that you can literally, um, I mean, when it comes to shared space and and shared vehicles and the opportunity to, I mean, even now, I think there are at least uh, people are are renting out their garages for storage space. I mean, the the creativity behind the world we live in right now, there are many ways, but I won't steal the shine too much because Doc is actually, uh, I I consider, right, one of the experts when it comes to this area. Um, uh, So, Give them a little bit about, I guess, how you made money while in dental school and some ways that they, that they can make money while in dental school. I love that you already brought up passive. Yeah. If the way you're going to make money in dental school is not passive, it's not worth it. Yeah. Let's back that up and let's say that again. Let's rewind it and let's do it twice. If how you're going to make money in dental school is not passive, it is not worth it. Understand and remember the number one reason why you are there is to become a dentist. 
It is not to become a real estate mogul. It is not to become a millionaire dental student. If you do that, fantastic. But realize, if you do all those things and don't graduate, what was the point? So now that that has been said, that's the reason we're going to continue to stress the word passive. It has to not take away from your academic success. And when I was in school, I realized that before going into school because I was coming out of my MBA program. And I knew at that point I need to now try to figure out a way to be able to have some type of revenue coming in while in school. And it's funny that you actually brought up renting out a garage as storage because that's actually one of the ways that we generated revenue while in school wow we found some garages in in downtown uh charlotte and we were able to now use those garage spaces and rent them out to different individuals to bring in income and they were bringing in honestly like 400 600 a pop yeah just passively and it'll be just individuals like painters or people who are like creators who needed a, a, a workspace downtown would just rent out the particular unit and use it to keep their materials downtown. And it's very, very passive, very, very easy. And at those times, we were able to work with different owners who had garages that they weren't even using and to be able to rent it out that way. But probably the most passive way for myself personally was when we were coming into school, I knew it was important to to purchase a home. Um, Not just for the income or the increase in value, but I'm I'm a firm believer that we have to be generational problem solvers. And I thought to myself, if I've seen a lot of great things about dentistry and my kids one day, your kids one day, our brother's kids one day, they're going to be looking at us and they're going to emulate a lot of the things that we do. And what happens when they want to become a dentist one day or they want to go to the masters of accounting at UNC Chapel Hill. Right. And they want to go to something in the triangle. Why should they deal with the same problems that we dealt with? To be honest, it's kind of irresponsible for us to deal with problems, but not in a way that it leaves a door open that they got to deal with the same problems that we dealt with. Yeah. To be forerunners, right, to be on the frontier, that means we should solve certain problems that never have to be solved again. So buying that property for us meant that anybody who wants to go to Chapel Hill after us has a place to stay. And the passive income is just a bonus, right? And while in school, it was, it was, very, it was a good time because not only were we able, able to live in one of the bedrooms that we bought, but also in the second bedroom, um, it was our former president of Talented Empowered Inspired Men, uh, Emeka Kekinem, and he was able to live in the spare bedroom. Mm. And not only was that able to now generate some passive income, but it was giving us an opportunity for us to be able to be there for one another as we transition to a different city, right? Yeah. And now he's gone over and matriculated to med school, so it was a, a one-year bridge for him as he was able to make his next step, and now he's about to go and become a full-blown medical doctor. Wow. So it's just wow. important that, like, as, as different stages and different of lives come up, Again, when it comes to leaving clues behind, we can look back and say, anybody who ever wants to go to Chapel Hill now, we can now really feel like we've done our generational uh, dental wealth part of it and make sure that they never have to worry about housing again. That problem has been solved. And I'm tasking everybody here, as you're thinking about ways to make money in dental school, try to find problems that need to be solved. Don't just try to chase money. Because if you chase money, it will run. And I promise you, no one has ever outran money. <laughs> money is the fastest creature on earth, all right? So if you try to find a problem that needs to be solved, for instance, let's say if Kingsley was in my dental class and he already got his master's in accounting and he could help people put together personalized budgets. 
And people could come and give him $200. He could sit down and come up with a personalized budget. And he can now create passive income because he does this like this. And it's not really hard for him. Yeah. Or maybe you can talk to different individuals. Or maybe you can tutor students who are studying for the DAT because you made a fantastic DAT score. Whatever it is like that, try to find a, something that's, number one, easier for you. And then, number two, it's solving a problem and it's helping people. Yeah, yeah. And, and you, you hit it right on the head. When I was um, still in school, you know, I was into Airbnb rental arbitrage really was a, a, a decent way of making money. It was easy. I didn't have to own the house necessarily. I could just rent. And obviously there are some different things you want to check with the landlord about, but I, I was able to rent uh, the home and then rent it out for a higher price. So that put a few thousand dollars into my pocket each month. And on top of that, I told the students um, when I spoke to them uh, at ECU, say even maybe um, um, trying to figure out how you can rent your car out. I mean, there's different platforms to be able to do that. I mean, if you're not one to use your vehicle that much, maybe you, you're taking a, a university transport bus different places, or maybe you live very, very close to campus. Maybe that's something that you ought to look into um, if that's piques your interest. So anyways, I guess we're just trying to say don't limit yourself. There are all ways to make money in dental school without necessarily breaking your back um, and still being able to focus on the main reason why you're there. Solve problems, help people. This is a fun, fun talk. At a, yeah. Good time. This is a Generational Dental Wealth Show. Peace. Yeah, we'll, we'll see you next time. All right.